time for another edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. All right, so welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. Uh, James Martin here with Steve Tigner and fresh from his Miami trip, Pete Bodo. Pete, welcome back. I'm just so too cool to talk about it now. You know, South Beach, Miami, that whole deal, that's me. Were you on the beach so with a you? thong or anything like that? I never made it to that. I don't you made it that, to Joe's. That side wouldn't have thrilled anyone. Joe's Stone Crabs, though, right? Yeah, I don't, like, I don't like waiting two hours for my Not food. Yet. I actually right. hate to, I ate press room food almost every night, except Garber took me out to one very, very good restaurant, which you'll see on the expense report. Over, he took you out, but you pay for it. All right. Yeah, we split it. <laughs> Is that how it works <laughs> over here? <laughs> um, but obviously the big news coming out from Miami, Andy Roddick wins his first Masters event since uh, Cincinnati in 2006, and he's gotten a lot of kudos for the way he won that. He was very proud of himself, talking about how he, he played one way to beat Nadal in the semifinals. Halfway through that match, he's down a set. He starts flattening out his forehand and making some – very opportune forays into net, not attacking crazy, but coming in at the right moments and hitting good volleys, which he doesn't always do. And then he plays against Burdich in the final, who can be a little bit more inconsistent, and he starts throwing in some junk, some slices, and mixing the ball up. And uh, he deserves a lot of credit. It was it was a master performance by uh, Andy Roddick, and now his coach, Larry Stelfanke, is out there saying that Roddick's going to have a, a renaissance, basically, and he's going to play his best tennis like Agassi did from 27 years of age onward. What do, you, what do you guys think about that? Well, as our president would say, uh, let's be perfectly clear about this. Uh, I'm, I look, I, I've, I drink the Roddick Stefanke Kool-Aid. I always have, you know, Stefanke and Roddick both. I've always thought they were great guys, you know, in terms of, you know, pr- being very professional and also good to deal with in addition. But, you know, I, I really think, you know, Roddick is a little bit like certain horses, uh, other, certain dogs that, you know, he, he basically, when it comes to his coaching, he loves to serve. You know, for a guy who's really got a pretty big ego and it can be very, you know, edgy and touchy, the guy loves to work. He likes being told what to do. And I think he really likes pleasing both his coach and, of course, you know, his fans and himself with all this stuff. So I, I really think that's, it, it, I, I think there's some truth in that. Uh, I actually think he's going to do better on clay. I think he could do better on clay. Whether he does or not, I guess will be partly dependent uh, that, on that. That's where I'm dubious. So, I mean, I, I, th- I, give, I'm, I agree with you, Steve. I, I don't know where you fall on this. I, I don't think Stefanke's done a great job with Roddick. Roddick's always seems to be receptive in those early stages with a new coach, but I think we might cool a little bit on Andy, you know, in the next couple months on the clay, just because it's just not as he's well, just not going to be great on it. That's true. That's probably true. But at the same time, he did make the fourth round of the French Open last year. It was his best result. Um, and also the type of tennis he plays now, the way he played at these last two tournaments, should it, work it should clay. work on clay. I mean, the serve is not as big a deal, and it won't get him out of as many jams. But at the same time, the reason I thought he won, he did as well as he did at this, these two tournaments was his versatility and his, and his intelligence on the court. He, I mean, he wasn't doing anything. It wasn't rocket science out there, but he was mixing everything up. He basically didn't give Burdich the same shot twice in a row, which I know is, is a Stefanke strategy. It was a specific Stefanke strategy for Roddick uh, against Del Potro last year, and I could, s- you know, you could see that that was the type of thing that, that he was doing against Burdich, but he was also able to open it up against Nadal, so he, he showed a little more versatility than he has, so maybe, who knows, maybe that, that'll help him on clay. I mean, you've heard people say, and I guess, Pete, I mean, I don't know if you know, Larry, or why this has worked, but, I mean, people have been writing, we've been writing, the media and, and critics have, have been saying, to about Andy Roddick that he does need to do a lot of the things that he did finally do in Miami. Obviously, execution is key, but all of a sudden now it's clicking. It's kind of weird. He had Brad Gilbert as a coach, obviously, who's a, who's who's done some pretty good things, and and he's had he's had a bunch of coaches really Roddick over the last few years. Um, but all of a sudden it's just like click. 
Yeah, well, that was look. There was phase one coaching, Brad Gilbert. I would say then there was phase two coaching with Jimmy Connors, and now there's phase three coaching with Stefanski. And look, let's face it, Roddick has lifted his game. Poor Tariq. <laughs> lifted it, lifted his game after each of those, you know, experiences. Oh yeah, no, you throw Tariq out there. <laughs> Tariq the dustbin of history. And also, he also zero. throws brother out. He's his brother was coach for a while, and they fall like cats and dogs. <laughs> so you know, but no, but I mean, I think there's definitely been a progression. I think each of those guys brought brought something different. Let's not forget the impact Jimmy Connors had on. Roddick because you know that relationship gets trashed because it really didn't all that you know they kind of ran out of steam there emotionally as a, 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 as a pair but look I mean you know if Roddick's backhand today is is less of a weakness and actually is becoming kind of a tool to set up some other things in his game a lot of that credit has to go to Jimmy Connors he really started to do the heavy lifting on the backhand well and his he's slicing pretty well I mean I thought he against Burge I mean he hit some gnarly slices that you know you look at him and you wonder did he miss hit that or did he, did he mean to do that with some of those low slices yeah, I feel like almost like he watched he watched Andy Murray or he saw the way that Murray played these two tournaments tournaments last year and, and Roddick has been going in this direction just play solid play with variety force the other guy to to get out of his comfort zone but don't do don't try to do much more than that and rely on your serve because you know you you know you're hard to break, and that's you know that's a tough, that's a smart, high percentage way to play. And you know he's got to be thinking that slice is going to stay really low on clay, which is going to be. An oh advantage. well, yeah. I think one of the big things in that match too, which you know a little bit you know maybe diminishes you know the the, the expertise we're talking about here, is that Burdick plays very long, and that really plays right into Andy's strength. You know, Burdick Burdick likes to hit the long ball down a court, straight down a court, whereas in Nadal is much more apt to move it around, open up the angles. You know, let's face it, Andy's not the greatest mover ever. And so I think, guys, I think the big challenge for him on clay is going to be he's going to have to play from closer to the baseline, I think, to really be able to penetrate and, and, and push guys back and get and get a little progress with his, with his ground strokes. I think he's going to have to hit bigger. That's the thing about but clay. You have, to be able to, yeah. you have to be able to put the ball by guys. Don't, don't, well. you, don't you think that this and, – and to that point, don't you think his strategy in Miami – he almost has to take it up a notch in terms of his aggressiveness. Yeah, no, because if he smothers the ball with topspin on clay, it's, he's going to be in it's trouble. Different. I almost feel like you have to you have to have more more pace, more more um, juice from the back court on clay than you do on slow hard courts. But you also have a little bit more time to set up to set up the put away, basically. And I think that for him, even more than an Adal, who basically you know he's got so many tools and he can you know he's so good defensively, he doesn't have to really think so much about the put away. Whereas Roddick's going to have to really go in there thinking, all right, I've got to make that opening so I can hit that inside out forehand with, with with a lot of force and penetration. True, true. So we're we're a quarter of the way through now uh, the the 2010 season. So I figured we could take this opportunity, guys, to let's talk about the, some of the top players and. And just hand out grades and see how what we thought of their performances. And I, I mean, let's start with Roddick. I mean, I, I look at him and I think he's got, you know, B B plus written all over him in terms of what he's done over the last month. And anyone disagree? I think you give that a little. Yeah, I think you give him a little more. I mean, he's. This is the best he's done. This is the first Masters uh, tournament he's won in four years. He, he didn't. He didn't. Um, he lost to Chilich at the Australian Open, but that's his only. You know, that's it was a good maybe match, the yeah. only loss a yeah. little earlier than you would have thought. He he would have lost. He had a, he, he's just had a good two tournaments. He beat Nadal in this tournament. Federer and Nadal were in both of these tournaments, and he he went further than they did. So you know, we'll see. It's been a it's been a good start for him. Well, I guess my point of view is that I look at Federer, I give him an A, and I give Serena a, an A. They, they they you know they they only care about the Grand Slams. They're perfect. They're one for one. So to me, that's the gold standard. They're they're the A's, and everything has to work back from that. From where I look at it. Well, yeah, I guess you're going to look at it that way, but I mean, I think, I, yeah, I think there, I, but I, it's, it's kind of hard though when two people come up with A's, let's give them the A's you want to give them, 
And then you look at the question marks surrounding them going in. There's no way there aren't huge question marks around Serena. First of all, whether she'll show up or not. And then second of all, around Federer. I don't really put a lot of stock in, you know, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Roger no. lost two matches. But, you know. But, but, but you he know. says his game has issues. He does. He, he definitely wasn't playing great tennis. I mean. Yeah, I don't think you can give Roger or Serena perf- perfect grades. They, they did win the slam, but... But Federer played two pretty poor matches to lose, and those are in important tournaments. You can't just say that those didn't count at all. And we haven't seen Serena since, um, so you know, there, there, there's no way that we but can say that she's had a you know a perfect season. She hasn't played. But if, if Federer were not to win another tournament, but then he wins the French, he's gonna, not going to get an A? I mean, if, if well, that hasn't happened yet. Has. But we're I talking mean, about did, the first quarter of the year. But I'm just saying, I, you, you use the same litmus test for a quarter as you would for a half of a season, wouldn't you? Let's burn that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> I think he got an A. But uh, what about, uh, who else do we have here? Noel Nadal. I mean, wh- I mean, he looked very sharp in both uh, Indian Wells and Miami um, after you know the knee injury in Australia. So that was very promising. I mean, he, he, he's looking to hopefully get that momentum for the clay court season, right? I don't know, Steve. I'd... I'd I'd go with like a B plus for Nadal, so maybe A minus, maybe A minus because yeah, look, he lost to the winner of both tournaments, and that's that counts. Right, and he showed a lot of fire, he showed a lot more, a lot more of the old enthusiasm and the old you know the old determination and grit and the sand that we've come we've expected to see from him. I think he had a great two weeks, and so does he. And you know, people think he's blowing smoke when he says you know oh two semis and you know two semis in the first two Masters of the year I think he's being perfectly honest and I think he's right I gave him a B not a B plus just because of what he's done in the past he he had a good a good um first quarter of the year but he didn't win he didn't quite win the match that that you think he would win he he should he probably should have won the Lubitschik match and he was ahead in the Roddick match and he lost those those are matches he you feel like he would have won in the past and he didn't so he's not all the way he's not all the way back he played a lot of great tennis and he played some of his some of his tennis was as good as, as he's as he's ever played, but I, I wouldn't. I would also have a little reservation about his ability to finish matches right now. We'll see what happens. I mean, Clay is it's a great time for him. He's going into Clay. That should change. Well, it was those key points against those two matches he lost in in the Masters events that they they can. It will be interesting to see if they play with his head in the sense that you, you as no matter if you're a top player or a journeyman you have to learn how to you get you get a couple chances in a match to close it out he did fail in that regard or he got beat i mean well, however you want to look at it but he's I, to me nadal just needs a match or two where he has that close match in the final and he wins or the other I, I understand that argument but i also i think when you got record like federer and nadal uh those guys those guys are not losing matches because they're choking, and I don't no. think they're going to go into their next matches thinking, well, you know, geez, Baghdadis, I had him and I let him go. You know, is this going to be my moment? Those guys have built up so much capital, confidence capital, like a bank account, that uh, I, I don't think that's going to be a problem. The real, question, the real question might be, are the other guys a little less afraid of those, a little less liable to, to give, to think that they can't beat Rafa at that moment? Maybe they, you know, maybe they get a little more confidence. A lot more people have beaten the doll in the last year than than had before right and it all comes out wins monte carlo in a couple of weeks and all that goes Whoa, away with clay, well yeah that's it you know with clay coming up and then grass it's a little bit like these boys who are thinking oh man you know we got him where we want him now they could be yeah, in this for, is for when he gets his revenge surprise. usually but it's a decent you know a decent comeback for him having had to retire in australia so i think things are looking up for nadal certainly what about um well i guess you could group these two together djokovic and murray um djokovic obviously had i look at him as maybe b minuses i i to me, they Djokovic had obviously the Serbian tie was a hero there, and then Murray had the Australian run, the final of the Australian Open 
after since then they've they've they both failed to impress. I think they have to yeah, you pretty have to, poor. Have to be a little disappointed in both. And Murray had the good run at the Australian, but it seems like losing that match has has affected him. He's has affected him mentally. He um he seems out of sorts on the court and really didn't show much show, show much fire or or an ability to to turn things around when things weren't going well in Indian Wells and Key Biscayne. I also got the I didn't get the feeling like he had the f- the firepower to turn it around against, say, Soderling in Indian Wells. That, that didn't look like a match. That, it looked like a match that would have been tough for him to win, even if he was, even if he'd been playing well. Well, did you notice that also when last year he was making a bit about how he was trying to hit harder first serves, winning more free points on first serves, and he was going for it, even the year before toward the end and uh, coming to the U.S. Open. I didn't get the sense that he was trying to do much with his serve. I mean, a lot depends on his serve because he doesn't. He if he goes for a lot, he doesn't necessarily get a lot of those in. Like Roddick or Federer, a lot depends on how he's serving on each day. I mean, his second serve is not is not, not is great. pretty yeah pretty average. I well, mean, you know, the other thing with Murray is that uh, I saw Neil Harmon quite a bit down there in Miami. You know, Neil writes for the London Times, and you know his 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 life is to cover basically Murray. Basically, basically, Murray. you know, <laughs> it's does, a little like right? it's like <laughs> you stick and trail with this guy. He's like worse than a CIA agent. You know, I mean, he's all he's all over Murray, and yeah, you know, he had some interesting thoughts because you know he he thinks that basically. Maybe Murray's problem now is that a lot of this pressure that's been building up slowly, and you know, in the beginning, it's not that bad. It's a little bit like what Udan is probably going through in terms of being like cast as the next great hope. You know, those pressures accumulate slowly, and then you know, you, you kind of punch through and you get some wins, and you know, it doesn't bother you. It's all good. You know, you're 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 performing up to what people expect and hope. And then if you come, at, you know, you run into a few little problems, all all of a sudden, all this stuff. Comes, comes sort of crashing down yeah. around you and suddenly you're looking at, hey, I'm supposed to be the next big thing and I can't win, you I know, a Masters. I could sort of feel you that know. last last year at the beginning of Wimbledon, he didn't seem to be feeling much pressure. He seemed to be handling it well. But then in the semis, I felt like it did affect him. He got, he got you know, he, he lost it a little bit more. He went back to being a little more temperamental and you could feel that the pressure, that specific British curse, Grand Slam curse at Wimbledon. And then at the Australian, he really showed a lot of emotion that I didn't expect after the match as if, when he talked, and he showed that emotion when he talked about how he was disappointed he couldn't come through for the for the British yeah, and, and right. win this tournament, and you could feel like, all right, he really does he does feel this pressure. And he and in Miami when he lost to Fish, I mean, he was very angry on the court. He was looking to his box at one point. He screams, "What's going on?" He did. He literally looked pretty lost out there, very aggravated, very frustrated. So maybe that maybe that but pressure that again, is I mean, the you point. You, you have to expect it if you've ever just been in Wimbledon <laughs> yeah. around that time. The the amount of attention that's on that guy, you, you don't you don't you couldn't understand it being in being in New York or or the U.S. And, and you should you probably know, sit down and talk with Henman and get some advice. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, and, Han, and Henman handled it brilliantly. I mean, you got to give the guy great props. If you look at his Wimbledon record, it's fantastic compared to his overall rankings and stuff. But while we're on the Murray well, fish, fish match. Fish had a very, very good tournament. He looked terrific. He, you know, up until that point, he retired, you know, in his match with Yuzny. And I was watching that match. I wish I would have seen more of it because, you know, Fish is like a kind of a transformed man. He's got this, you know, he's had the late life conversion to, you know, fitness, diet, nutrition. And it's kind of a pity because you see what he could have been a couple of years ago. Right. Hope he gets healthy and, and comes what's back. what's really a pity is now that for him, it's even more than Roddick, now it's the clay court season. So he kind of, oh, he's toast. I mean, maybe he has time to to get ready for the rest of the year. Maybe that'll help him. He is a very dangerous player. I mean, we, going into the Miami, we all looked and said this was a potentially problematic match for Murray anyway. It wasn't like it going to be easy because when Fish serve, when he really serves hard. I mean, his serve is, I mean, I know Roddick is the best serve in, in, the, in the game and whatever, but Fish's serve is right up there when I'm watching him and he's on. Oh, I mean, he, he's solid. And, you know, maybe the, maybe the clay won't be that bad for him this year because of this new, you know, he's, he's really fit. He's a lot lighter. 
we'll see how the injury you know works out it wasn't supposed to be too serious he basically fell on his butt and and sort of jarred his uh sciatic nerve but you know if, if he comes back from that and he can get back in practicing you know, i don't even know if he's playing houston this week but if he he goes over to europe and actually plays a little bit and has a good attitude saying look i'm i'm fit i'm lean i i, I need practice i need matches he could he could do okay what uh what what kind of grades you want to hand out for some of the women? I mean Venus, for example, I think she's done had a very Venus good first quarter. Venus has had a good has had a good start to the year. She hasn't won the the big match. She lost to Lena in in Australia, which is a little disappointing. Even though Lena did play a really good match, but she but Dubai Acapulco. Venus won two has won two tournaments sort of under the radar, and she made the final of this. And she she didn't play her best in this. She was she was hurt obviously, but but it's a it's a very good start for Venus. But the only the only thing that's the thing that's odd to me is I always would have thought have always thought of Venus, or did in the past as a as a big match player, somebody who maybe who wouldn't stick around in the game that long. But she's proved to be the opposite. She's she's a <laughs> real right. pro. She's a week. You know, she she wins the small tournament. She wins week to week. But perpetual quarter finalist. For some reason, yeah. she can't she can't get over the hump in the. Uh, at the biggest tournaments, except Wimbledon. It's you know, impressive she though. She's 29 years old, and she's uh, she's outperforming on a week-to-week basis. All almost all the young girls. Yeah, and I think she'll be around for Sorry, me. She, girls. she went after me a little. Oops. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, tune in for our letter yeah. discussion next time. But uh, you know, she went after me a little bit in Miami. You know, and I was a little bit puzzled by her reaction because in a press conference, I asked her. You know, which I thought was you know maybe the most relevant question in my mind at the time was saying with. When you're hitting your ground strokes as badly as you did today, plus she really didn't look real good against Bartoli. She's making tons of errors, especially on a backhand. I said, you know, granted, you got a lot of power. I prefaced it with that, you know, like little props. And then I said, but given that, you know, are, are you at all concerned about the state of your ground strokes and, uh, you know, going into the clay court season where they mean so much? And she kind of came right back at me and said, why? What do you think? And, you know, that's always, it's always a bad sign when, when a player is, you know, kind of react and come back at you and, you know, they kind of accuse you of having some snide agenda. I mean, I don't know. I thought it was a perfectly reasonable question. I know a lot of people would have answered that, said, you know, yeah, you know, sure, you know, I'm not hitting that well, but I hit the practice well, it'll course. Def- it will definitely be relevant on clay when she needs to, she needs more consistency than she's shown. Yeah, it's hard to see she'll, she, you know, she's going to be a huge player on the clay court season. But, I mean, she's a B-plus for the, for the quarter. I gave her an A minus on A-. my A-. list. I thought you know she's not Fair much enough. more you could ask. Two titles in four tournaments. Yeah, but the, she lost the two big ones, so I, I think I'm closer to James here on a B plus front. Um, we got uh, well, who else? We talk about the Belgians. We can put them together. Wozniacki. Well, Wozniacki. Let's I'm go Wozniacki. Her, I'm I mean, giving, her an giving her an A. Yeah. Wow. She she's number two in the world. She's obviously. I mean, to me, she's hard to imagine she's going to stay there. But she she has done well. She was close to beating Hennon in Miami. That was a pretty decent match. Um, Steve, what are your I thoughts? I gave her a B plus. I, she didn't yeah. have a good Australian Open after, after um, getting to the finals of the U.S. Open. That's just one tournament, but it's still obviously yeah. a big tournament. And she didn't play a good final in Indian Wells. She played a she played a strong tournament up to that point, and final she suddenly was in the Aust- in the uh, in the final against Yankovic, she didn't she didn't have her forehand. And you know she's and she did play a good match against Hennon, and she showed that she can hang with somebody like Hennon, which is which is good. She's number two in the world. The, the thing that I would conclude with is she's further she's further along than I thought she would be a year ago, and that's all you can say for somebody who's who's so young. Well, let's yeah, let's remember she's so. I think the next the next youngest person is like ranked somewhere in the thirties, if I'm right. not mistaken. So I mean, and uh, I was really impressed. And I don't know how I don't know if this is true. I haven't been able to check it or confirm it, but you know, somebody told me that she had actually gained an average ten miles an hour on her first serve. That's huge. That's for, huge. for a girl like that. Yeah, and I think that to me, that's that's going to be her next step. Is uh, she she doesn't have to change her game and become an attacking player. She's just going to need to add some weapon, some sort of put away shot when she needs it. When she plays some of the players that are you know just 
that that little bit better than her. She just needs a way to finish more points, in my opinion. What I, what I what I love about her is that I've never seen a player so big play from so low. If you notice, you watch some of those, not just retrieves, but if she gets, let's say she's sort of at the baseline and and a woman hits hits a real good shot right to the baseline, you know, she's always down, practically kneeling on a court, and that's you know that's usually a sign of someone who's who, who's going to be real real steady and keep that ball. And the discipline that it implies and embodies, I think, is is really significant. She, plays, she also plays a more physical game, a more explosive game than you might think from television. I'm watching her from up close out in Indian Wells. I was I was impressed by her speed and her her power maybe it needs to develop more but you, you see her on tv she almost she it doesn't look it maybe she makes it look easier it looks a little dull but but her game she's a she is big bigger than you might think yeah it's funny you say that steve because uh, i i have you know i got to confess i've been wandering around scratching my head you know thinking i you know what's the big deal with wozniaki i was not that impressed in the u.s open you know i've you know, watched her here and there since then but in that match against Hennon, which i watched very closely I, it started to click in my head, and I said, "You know, it, you know, this, this girl can really play. She's that, gonna, she's gonna be really a, a, a very solid top player. I don't think, these, I don't think we're talking about smoke and mirrors." That's also here. a perfect matchup for her, though. That's the only, th- and I'm not knocking her. I'm just saying, Hennen's aggressive. Hennen's going for coming to net. Hennen's trying to hit her surf hard. Hennen's trying to end points as, almost as soon as possible, so it plays right into a Wozniacki style play. Whereas when Wozniacki plays a Yankovic or someone that's gonna p- give a lot of what she gives, that's where I think Wozniacki's gonna have her. She's going to have to mature that next step, which I'm tr- I think she will. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. In the long, in the long term, she she's helped by her attitude, though. She doesn't have the temper of say Azarenka. She doesn't get as down on herself. Yeah, that's that, a great that'll point. keep her more. Oh, that's consistent. Yeah, her, her, her attitude. Great, I think, great attitude. I, I think is very good. Um, anybody else that we're missing on here? Belgians. I mean, they both done obviously. Kim, well. you can give Kim. give Kim a grade. You know, I'm going B pluses with them both. Uh, you guys going higher? Yeah, I think that's good. right. I think B plus for both. I think Kim. I mean, Kim has looked really bad at the Australian and Indian Wells, but she, but she, um, and against Hennen, and against Hennen, except at the beginning. But, but at the same time, when when she plays well, I I just have this feeling like she's she can win any match in, unless you know she unless she chokes it. Like she she has the game to beat Serena Venus anybody on on when she's when she's feeling when she's feeling good and when she's not feeling nervous. So I th- I feel like that that will. She's gonna have a. I think she will have a good year just from that fact. Just from the fact that she's she's so naturally gifted at the game. It's just a matter of of her of her keeping from that this sort of negativity she she's gotten into in a couple of matches this year. So you like were, were you at that match? Uh, yeah, and, I was. And, yeah. and Clarence, what, what did you? What were your impressions on that? I thought it was a disaster. I mean, uh, you know, how do you lose a match when you when when you led six three two love a uh, three love against your like career rival you know with a big thing on the line she froze up like a deer in the headlights that match too i must say watching on tv you just sat there belly laughing if you went out you get a little more appreciation for how hard they hit the ball why mm-hmm. some of the errors were made and stuff but no I, I think that's kind of inexcusable it's funny i kind of think of i kind of think of uh, players like Kleisters and there are a couple of them on, on both sides the game, you think of him as being married to a serial cheater. You know, once you know they're a cheater, you know, it's right, like, right. you know, you never know when it's going to happen. I think that's how Kleister's just yeah, choking. Never know I she, mean, she, she'll choke away any match. I think she'll choke away any match against certain players. She did choke away a match against Klebanova in Indian Wells that was bad, but she, she did play a good last set tiebreaker against Hen, and then she, then she almost gave it back. But she had moments when she seemed when she seemed calm, and maybe she can build on those. Yeah, yeah you can. great run in Miami. I mean, you, you can't take that away. I mean, unfortunately, Venus just w- was, she couldn't move. I mean, and it would have been nice to see a 
how Kleister's would have done against a fully fit Venus. And well, and Kleister's, I think, probably took a lot of encouragement out of that because I think she knows what happened. And, and in match, in fact, the first thing she said was when she came into the press room there was that, you know, she didn't want it to go where the last match went. And so that clearly, you know, I think obviously she's saying, you know, I don't want to be, you know, be way up and then choke and then, yeah. have this, you know, get into this crazy war, this shooting this shooting contest with her. So, you know, uh, I think she walked out of that match thinking, well, good. You may, maybe that, you know, Hennen sort of, Walkabout or, or choke was uh, at the same time though she's beaten Hennen twice this year you can't you no. know, she's beaten Justine Hennen that's twice true. this year somebody with seven slams that you can't really say that that's you can't say too much negative about that I think I think we're just going to be in store for a couple mo- uh, more matches between the two this year that are going to be very me- very melodramatic you, you can't <laughs> say you can't say either of them is money at the bank at this point no that's that's true and uh, with that we uh, well let's just touch on one other thing we're getting a lot of letters and. And Pete wants to bring this up as I as I do, oh, but yeah, yeah, pass the buck <laughs> to me, James. Thanks. <laughs> but no, for real, um, we uh, we've been getting a lot of stick from some people emailing about calling some of the women girls and how we're basically being chauvinists and 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 insensitive, etc. And and uh, we don't mean anything by it. Number one and number two, a lot of these players are in their teens, so it is sometimes difficult to to call a 17-year-old a woman, uh, you know. So I don't know if you want to weigh in on that. I figure if you can call a guy a boy, you can call a woman a girl. Yes, there you go. That's the final word, unless you have anything to add, Steve. Uh, No no comment. Steve's going to stay away from (laughs) the Typical Steve, right? There goes Steve Uh, ducking out, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Playing it safe. Anyway, um, we will uh, be back later this week to uh, look at the clay court season, talk about anything that's going on in Houston, and uh, keep the emails coming to podcast at tennis.com and until then with uh, as always Pete Bodo, Steve Digner, I'm James Martin talk to you later you've been enjoying tennis.com's weekly podcast thanks for listening for all the latest news and events head over to tennis.com